Welcome to the Product Podcast, brought to you by Product School. Here, you'll get fresh insight from the people at the very top of the tech companies who make the products we love. Remember, you can learn product management live online. Visit productschool.com to discover our new certificate path. There, you can also join the world's largest community of PMs and network with the leaders from these podcasts at our online events. There's something happening almost every day. Hi, everyone. Uh, today, we're talking about the product world adapts, the implications of 2020. So in 2020, the world, including the product world, was tipped on its head. Uh, one year on, how have the challenges, pivots, adaptations of 2020 held up? Um, and what are the implications for the future of product? So I am Muna Oladipo. I am an instructor here at Product School and the SVP of Product Design and Engineering at Kickstarter. I'd like to pass it over to our panelists to introduce themselves. Uh, Gautam, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, uh, hello, everyone. Uh, my name is Gautam Vishwanathan. I'm the co-founder and uh, head of product at uh, Workado. Uh, at Workado, we take a low-code, no-code approach to building integrations and automations, which traditionally have been complex and required technical skills. Uh, prior to Workado, I spent many years at uh, TIPCO. I was there from the beginning to about 650 million in revenue. Thank you very much. Uh, Scott? Hi, I'm Scott Castle. I'm the VP and General Manager for Analytics at SciSense, where we help people infuse analytics everywhere to drive new revenue streams and stickiness within their products. Perfect. Thank you. Nicole? Hello, I'm Nicole Sigara. I am VP of Product Management and Marketing at Revenera. Um, at Revenera, we build products for software modernization, software usage analytics, and software composition analytics. So it's really interesting because I'm a product manager heading, a heading up a team of strategic product managers and product owners, but we also build products that are being used by the products organization. Um, so excited to be here. Thank you. Thank you. And Roman. Hi, Roman Stanek, founder and CEO of Good Data. Uh, Good Data at Good Data, we are disrupting the world of BI, business intelligence with a global analytics platform that delivers uh, insights at scale to 100,000 companies all the way from uh, smallest uh, ISV SaaS companies to uh, large enterprises like Visa. And historically, I'm in enterprise software for the last 25 years. I started in a... Uh, 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 first Java development tool called NetBeans. Uh, if people uh, build application in Java, and then I move on and build application in SOA, service-oriented architectures and microservices. So that's my background. Thank you. Um, so I figured we could start by jumping into our first question. Um, so I'd love uh, if you all could tell us about your product and who is your customer. Um, maybe we can start with Scott. Sure, absolutely. So at SciSense, our customers are the kind of companies that build products where data and the data about what you're doing in the product is a, is a really important part of the service. So everything from the web apps that drive uh, your purchases on Skullcandy's website to UI development with UiPath to GE MRI machines, we help companies put analytics into their own products. And this really drives their customer success and their customer stickiness because of the way that surfacing data and surfacing outcomes from their products really enhances that end consumer and end business use case. Thank you. Uh, Nicole? 
Yeah, um, as I mentioned before, we are building products that are being used by product teams and operations teams. So at Revenera, we do software licensing, entitlement management, usage analytics. So basically everything that companies need to understand how their products are being used so that they can build better products. Um, then giving them tools to take these products to market fast, um, along with that, managing things like licensing and compliance. Um, and then, of course, to um, manage uh, revenue models, might, might be subscription, um, usage-based models, whatnot, um, and um, you know, continue to analyze and drive more revenue from their products. And we are mainly working with software companies and technology companies, too. Thank you. Roman? Um, at Good Data, you know, customers, our customers are product teams, and it can be a product manager, it can be head of uh, uh, head of product management, but also engineering teams uh, that uh, are leveraging Good Data to deliver analytics to all of their customers externally and internally. And as I mentioned, you know, our focus is really on on scale and. Uh, kind of a reliability of analytics. Typically, analytics is an afterthought and it doesn't have uh, the same SLAs. It doesn't have the same quality. It doesn't have the same kind of a developer experience as the, the rest of the, uh, the stack. And so we believe that we have a first uh, stack that's actually really kind of ready-made for developers and, and product teams to deliver high-quality analytics at scale. Thank you. And Gautam? Um, Workado provides a, a, a platform that makes it easy to, to bring data together to automate workflows. As the number of apps that we all use have, has skyrocketed, our data has, has sort of gotten much more fragmented. If you want to understand something about a customer, you may have to look up several applications to get a full picture of that customer. Uh, if um, uh, traditionally a employee onboarding process that may have sort of required two or three different application now requires many more applications. And uh, what Workado helps uh, 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 customers do um, uh, uh, um, typically in IT and departments is be able to automate how we sort of aggregate data, automate these manual workflows to drive efficiency. Thank you. Uh, Nicole, I'd be curious to understand how 2020 has affected your product. Um, well, overall, not too much. Um, I think we all can be, we can, we can call ourselves lucky that we are working in an industry, in the software industry, that went through that relatively well compared to some of the others. Um, um, but how we were impacted, some, some good things actually came from 2022. We spent a lot less time on planes and trains and airplanes, and then we spent more time with customers. It wasn't video, video calls, but still um, we, we actually saw an increased level of productivity, believe it or not, just because people were working from home and we had um, a more focused time for, for all of us. Um, our products um, haven't been impacted that much. Um, I think we as a company put an extra effort into spending even more time with our customers, understanding exactly how they are using our products, but also uh, what their business case is to just make sure that we are close to them and, and we serve them in the way that they need it. Because um, a lot of companies have gone through hardship and changes and we just wanted to make sure that we stay close. Uh, to what our customers are doing, which so far has, has turned out quite well. That's good. <laughs> um, Roman, how about over a good data? 
Yeah, yeah, we were actually somehow the timing for us uh, uh, was actually, uh, you know, somehow there was some sort of a coincidence. About two years ago, we, deci- we decided to, uh, to kind of uh, uh, shift the focus of company or maybe expand the focus of the company just from the enterprise sales, you know, from companies like Visa to expand it much more on um, what I would call a product-led development. How can we actually use the product in our sales? How can we actually move away from and uh, uh, relying on enterprise salespeople? And uh, so we were actually in the middle of that launch of launching like a freemium product and gross product and zero touch product when uh, the whole lockdown in 2020 happened. So uh, from that perspective, uh, we were almost unaffected. The opposite, we were actually able to grow the user base fairly dramatically. When I look at uh, the number of users that we had on our uh, on our digital platform, it went up 10 times. So um, it was really kind of the whole year was all about kind of shift from how do we actually, as Nicole said, how do we again move away from selling enterprise software in, in, in in-person meetings and how do we actually create a analytics that anyone can sign up for experience and then, you know, and then use without actually ever talking to us. Yeah, uh, Gautam, what about Ricardo? Um, uh, we, we sort of have, have so far, uh, it, it, it's been a, a pretty uh, uh, incredible uh, year. Um, the, uh, the sort of pandemic uh, ha- has really put a lot of focus on, uh, on, um, on automation. Uh, not uh, just automate, I mean, in, in sort of two really different ways. Uh, uh, for many companies, how they were conducting business or the areas that they focused on, uh, there was a big sort of shift uh, in terms of sort of new areas of focus and so on. And the, in those areas, automations play a big part in how fast you can respond. And, and also the other part of where we saw a lot of uh, activity is even very traditional processes in terms of how we work with coworkers and so on, that was dramatically recast for a completely remote environment. So sort of uh, we saw a lot of activity uh, uh, around uh, bot, uh, bot uh, using, uh, using bots, onboarding, offboarding processes, uh, uh, collaborative processes within the company and so on. Uh, so from a product perspective, um, um, uh, not a lot of change, but definitely much more heightened pace of activity. I can agree with that. Uh, Scott, how about a CSUN? You know, at, at SciSense, our customer base is very diverse across both industries and verticals. The companies that we that we work with and that we work for are they're all technology companies in one way or another, but they're monetizing that in different ways. Grocery mm-hmm. stores, their dog walking services, their uh, VRBO companies, their traditional ISVs, and what's been really interesting is that throughout all the different impacts that the economy has had for those different verticals, some companies have been under enormous amount of pressure. Other companies have seen markets open up for them like never before. It's driven a really consistent trend towards the need for embedded analytics. Uh, What we're seeing is that whether you're doing incredibly well because you suddenly have a ton more customers because we're all virtual, or you're under an enormous amount of pressure because you're, for example, a VRBO company and you don't, your customers are suddenly not going on vacation anymore. The need to surface the information about what's happening, 
the information that you can provide to your suppliers and to your downstream customers to about what's going on in their markets and the ability to integrate it all together into actions that they can take inside of your product has become critical. That's now table stakes for everyone. And so this has been a huge demand year for SciSense because of that real sudden shift for almost every company into how do we get analytics and data into our customer experience. Right. Thank you so much. Um, Roman, what changes are you seeing in the users of your product related to the global pandemic? I think it's very similar what what uh, just uh, Scott said. You know, we had uh, uh, we had customers who grew uh, 5x in one year because their market just exploded. We had uh, uh, we had some customers that uh, um, that, you know, struggled a little bit because their, their business was not doing well. Um, I, I would say again the the main the, what we actually see um, is kind of the the focus on on some of the fundamentals of of moving uh, products to the cloud. Uh, last year was a big year when you know Snowflake went public, and and so the whole kind of uh, uh, data infrastructure is now being kind of uh, redesigned. I call it. Uh, 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 kind of the, uh, the value chain data, value chain is now being kind of redesigned. And, and so we as a company, we have to look at how do we actually fit into this new value chain and where do we actually add value as a company and where, you know, there are new, uh, not new players, but new uh, pieces or steps of that value, play, uh, value chain that we are not playing and we should not be playing and so on. So it was kind of, again, it's this kind of uh, realignment of the data value chain is probably the biggest news of 2020 given Snowflake and our investments. And we are definitely kind of realigning how we work with our customers and what value we provide to customers in this new value, uh, cloud-based uh, data ecosystem. Thank you. Uh, Workado, how about Gautam? Um, um, in terms of sort of uh, uh, how the changes that we are seeing. Changes. Mm -hmm. uh, I would say one of the biggest uh, uh, areas that we, we saw that was uh, really overemphasized perhaps was uh, the uh, speed and, and productivity. Um, uh, so as for like companies like MGM wanting to have like a new uh, media uh, platform to take advantage of sort of all the uh, amazing things happening on the streaming side to, to be able to build something uh, very quickly um, or, or, or grab trying to sort of uh, focus on in different areas. We, we saw a, a big uh, sense of, of a big focus uh, uh, on speed and productivity. And as a low code, no code provider, I mean, these are, these are sort of the reasons why we, we, we sort of what we, we focus on um, it, it, it was a, um, you know, uh, 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 it, it was very uh, well aligned. The um, uh, other areas that we also sort of saw quite a bit of uh, 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 interest in is governance and security, because uh, in a sort of much more remote world, um, that the, the sort of these two took on different dimensions. Uh, 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 um, so, uh, so we, we sort of uh, also from, uh, that's also one of the areas on the product that we actually also put lots of uh, uh, focus on, especially in governments when you when people are working on very core uh, uh, data. How do you make sure that they're allowed to see the right data and not any 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 much more than that? Yeah, thank you, Nicole. Uh, what changes have you seen? 
Yeah, so so maybe a little bit of, in some areas, we saw an uptick of uh, demand, um, not unlike some of um, the other speakers here too. Um, I'll mention three things that, that we could observe over the last um, year. One thing is we do really product usage intelligence means helping companies understand what is happening within their software products and how they are being used, what users are doing. So there was a lot more demand for that because obviously in in, in a very special time, a lot of software companies and technology companies really wanted to adapt what their products do to what the users need. And they, they put a lot more emphasis and focus on finding out if the product works well for the end user or not, because if it doesn't work well, then of course, um, you know, you're first when budget get cut, gets cut, uh, budgets get cut, right? Um, then we also, um, the second thing is we also help companies with um, compliance um, and finding um, software versions out there, especially for on-premises software where, where piracy happens or customer overuse. Uh, so we had demand there as well, because especially from customers that maybe are not doing so well or that saw a little bit of a you know um, downturn of, of new customers, they are going back to look at compliance and to see if there's revenue leakage. So definitely more demand to find out what's going on there and if there's additional revenue to cover. And last but not least, someone said it before, um, the increased need for automation um, to manage everything automated to make sure that no one has to go anywhere and do something, right? The um, automated software updates, part of our solution portfolio as well, became super important all of a sudden because you couldn't go to a hospital anymore to update a medical device, right? It didn't work. Um, so you had to do that um, electronically. So um, along with the shift to cloud, I think there's also like more automation, making sure that the dependency on someone actually going somewhere to push a button or to do something that was that people wanted to reduce that. Um, and we saw a lot of demand related to these topics. Thank you. And Scott? Yeah, there were three things that we saw that were really interesting trends and they all kind of locked together. The first one is that we're seeing a lot more what I would call citizen developers. So in embedded, in embedded analytics, you see a shift from product organizations saying to engineering, hey, can you build this for me? To product organizations saying, I wanna be able to build this myself. I want low code, I want no code, I want drag and drop, I want built-in integrations. It's like a trend for democratizing application development and application access. But in parallel to that, and kind of going in the other direction, we're also seeing more demand for unified workflows that tie in the advanced analytics investments that companies are making. So when you have data scientists and data analysts that are working in Python and R in SQL, when they're building uh, new applications of ML or statistical functions, they want the flexibility to do that. And in parallel, the development teams are saying, hey, I want more customization. I want API level control of how whatever I'm embedding actually operates, look and feel, integration. Uh, I want to be able to do all my application development in your platform the same way that I do it in my own platform. And the third piece is a, a real refocus on cloud. Uh, our business is already pretty significantly cloud, but we saw that trend towards, hey, not just my application is cloud, but all of my infrastructure feeding data into it, collecting data out of it, processing data in the middle, it's, it's, it's all cloud now. There's, there's very little of that, I, I, you know, I'm pulling in on-prem data. It's all every execution, application development and data collection and data processing is all cloud. 
Awesome, thank you. Um, the next question we're gonna dig into is how are the changes adopted last year holding up this year? So uh, Gautam, do you wanna kick us off? Uh, um, sure, I mean, um, um, uh, I think uh, for us, they were not necessarily changes. I mean, in terms of the, the focus on speed and, and productivity, I mean, th that, that sort of, uh, when you have a low code, no code approach, that, that sort of is like the defining characteristic. So we, we don't see that changing. I mean, we definitely see, you know, I think uh, Scott uh, pointing out also sort of uh, more focus on citizen development. So with a low code, no code approach, you're able to draw more builders. Uh, uh, so so we, we definitely see that uh, uh, trend uh, continue, continuing, if not accelerating uh, even further, because I think one of the, the other uh, sort of uh, um, uh, impact of uh, uh, the visa observed with the pandemic is also that uh, um, in some areas, the, the number of available uh, builders to build and so on has come down. Um, so as a result, there, there's definitely sort of this bigger expectation of sort of doing more with less. Thank you. Uh, Scott, maybe I'll pass it back to you. Uh, what changes or how are the changes you adopted from last year holding up in this year? Yeah, um, I think one of the key trends here is uh, in a demand for innovation around real time and around interactive embedding. Uh, this is showing up a lot as people start to ask the question, not how do I get information? How do I get insights? But how do I take action on them? And so as soon as you're able to say, I, I want to be able to trigger a thing when uh, I detect something, you start to say, well, how quickly can I detect? And that that uh, focus around real time uh, is really something that's, that's sticking around for us and that's doubling down. Um, the other one is just the rapid time to value, whether it's that low code, no code approach or whether it's the high code custom development approach, time to value is like the one thing. Give me the power to do it. Give me the, the speed and control to do it, but I need to ship it now. Thank you. Um, Nicole, same question. Yeah, I think most of uh, most of the changes that we saw in 2020, they will just continue on, right? I mean, nothing of that will revert back. It, it will just continue and accelerate more. Um, I think uh, some things that we are seeing as a trend too is, um, again, this, this increased customer focus that a lot of companies have as they are trying to retain as much revenue as possible and grow with their customers. Uh, we see... Um, and, and aligned, I think, also with the move to cloud, right? Move away from any on-premise software to cloud installation. Also, a lot of companies move away from any perpetual licensing or fixed price license, um, pricing to, to much more flexible monetization models because the goal would always be to align what the customer is paying to the values that they are actually getting. So a lot more... Um, focus on actual consumption, how much are customers using, and then how much are they respectively paying for the software that they're buying. I think this is a trend that will only continue um, because um, in that year um, and, and probably for the years to come, any software buyer and any end user will monitor closely what they're spending, right? And software companies will have to adapt to that. So I think, um, again, along with shift to cloud, and the accelerated shift to cloud, I think we will also see a continued shift in monetization models. Thank you. Roman. Yeah, for, for us, it's actually, it's the same what we did last year. It's the focus on a product-led uh, development and company. And our main measure of success will be adoption. We actually 
uh, relaunching data in Q1 with our next gen platform that uh, uh, that will deliver so much more in and uh, that um, based on in, uh, development in 2020. And and for us, it's really kind of recognition of the fact that data and analytics is a very confusing space for all of our customers. They go to the websites and they are all confused by how does your messaging compare to someone else's messaging. And that's why for us is the focus on adoption. And, and you know, my, my goal is to, uh, you know, by the end of 2021 to see every single uh, product team out there to use free version of good data and evaluate it, not just based on some messaging and, and some some BI MQs and so on, but really on, on kind of a product quality, product features, product fit. That's uh, that's kind of what we do as product companies. And I think that's uh, that's the beauty of the cloud that uh, all of this adoption and all of the kind of customer access to technology is uh, so much easier. And uh, we just need to enable it as a company and just uh, lean into it and, and build better products for, for, for bigger scale. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Um, a question here is, what is the advice you would give product managers to build products that are future-proof, uh, building for resiliency in your product planning? So first, uh, maybe we can start with Scott. Sure, I, this is an existential question for product management, right? And so I think the, the answers here are really around, how do you make your product sticky? If there are things that you're building that customers find become essential for their products, things that they can't use, live without or their users can't live without, that gives you the opportunity to talk to them about what else you can do as opposed to always having to have the conversation of why still keep using mine instead of moving on to something new. That's the only thing that really builds that defensible moat in a product is that stickiness factor that where the customer's really deriving benefit. So the advice I give to product managers building products to future-proof them is talk to your customers and also importantly, talk to the people who are in your market, but who are not your customers yet. My own product teams get their most of their valuable insights from talking to people outside of our markets. And when you figure out what it is that's so important about the people who don't like what you do yet, uh, that's when you find those stickiness factors. Thank you, Nicole. Yeah, Scott just summarized it really well. <laughs> so I'm um, just adding to that. I think, um, again, I, I would totally agree, Scott, that it's um, talking to a lot of customers, talking to non-customers specifically to find out what is important and how you can grow and how you can make your product sticky. And then also, I think the other point that I would add, um, drive a data-driven process around your product decisions. Um, a lot of product teams today still rely on only customer um, conversations, support information, right? Um, and, and that's just one part of it. Um, you also have to get some data out of your products about the usage and what is happening there. You might want to think about in-product messaging and other tools so that you can get a lot of different data points about how the products are being used. And then you can really find out based on data, not just on anecdotal feedback, what are the things that customers use most? What are the things that are sticky? What are maybe some of the features that you built because they were awesome and no one is using them, right? So then deprioritize those and then focus on the other things that people need. And I think that can only be done um, based on data. And I think every product team will be asked more and more over the next years to bring actual data to the table as to how their products are being used. Thank you. Um, how about Roman? I think that what, what Nicole said is absolutely correct. I 
again, that's kind of the huge benefit of moving uh, applications to the cloud is that now we have a complete product telemetry. Uh, 10 years ago, we were all relying on customers telling us what, you know, you, essentially you throw products over the wall and you, and you kind of get some, uh, some breadcrumbs of, of, of feedback. So I, I agree with Nicole, it's kind of a measure, measure, measure. And, uh, and I think that the main thing that, you know, uh, the product team needs to focus on is how do you actually accelerate that feedback loop? How do we actually take that feedback from that measurement and and close that kind of customer experience loop, not in a loop, not in 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 years and, and months and so on, but how can you do it on a on a kind of weekly basis or even daily basis? And uh, that way you can really evolve products much, much quicker and uh, deliver the best experience. Thank you. And then Gautam? Um, yeah, you know, yeah, I, I agree with everything uh, everyone said here. Uh, um, a, a couple of things I would add to that is, uh, 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 you know, we just speaking from our experience, we, we feel that the, the 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 speed has increased, that the velocity uh, with which sort of the market expects uh, uh, new things, or as well as how fast the market is changing. So, we have so, uh, uh, focused on even leaner. MVP uh, uh, releases, leaner MVP releases, canary approach to these releases, and, and, and then sort of going into a fast uh, uh, iterative loop. And we think that really the post 1.0 of a feature, the next few releases is what truly sort of a has, a, has a big impact. Um, and the other uh, uh, is around data. Agree with sort of like, you know, having, uh, uh, you know, really, taking advantage of all the amazing technology that we have right now to collect data uh, uh, and work with it. The, the finer point I would add to that is one of the things that we also see with data is we have a lot of data, but it's really important to double click and truly understand uh, you know, what the, the story the data is telling because oftentimes we see the same data and walk away with sort of different sort of uh, 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 stories. Uh, so I would, I would sort of uh, really focus on double clicking on that. And then the last one is, is communications um, uh, as product managers, uh, you know, how we connect, uh, communicate with uh, engineering, how we connect with uh, uh, marketing, our customers and so on uh, has gotten more complex. Uh, uh, it's just because we've become so much more remote and much of this is likely to continue on uh, that, uh, that, um, uh, 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 really trying to become world-class in communication, I, I, I think uh, is, is, has become very important. Thank you so much. Um, our last question of today is, with budgets tightening up in 2020 and beyond, uh, what should product managers do to help increase success and revenue of their products? Um, so maybe we can start off with Nicole. Yeah, sure. Um, I think product managers should look at themselves almost like the mini CEO for the product lines that they are managing or the products they are managing. So they cannot only look at uh, the features maybe they want to build. They've got to talk to customers. They've got to um, have really good cross-functional collaboration with sales, customer success teams and others to find out what is really needed from them. Um, and then really run a program around their product that is data-driven, um, that uh, brings in the feedback from other departments, and that it also enables them to pivot in the areas where they don't see success. 
right? And they should move quickly. And, and then last but not least important point that we all need to look at where are our revenue, revenues coming from? Do we have revenue leakage? Is our pricing correct? All these things should be reviewed um, as well. So I think um, what the product managers should do is really take a broad view so that they can um, adjust everything around their products and find the best um, roadmap and also go to market strategy. Thank you very much, uh, Roman. Yeah, from, from my perspective, I, I agree. We have a very successful land and expand program. So product managers uh, have to focus not only the, uh, the new customers, but also existing customers so that we keep growing them very successfully. From my perspective, I think that, again, uh, the, the whole uh, cloud transformation is going to uh, bring uh, so many challenges for, to product managers. The, the whole, whole ecosystem will be fundamentally different. And so I think it's, uh, um, it's kind of making sure that you actually and your product fits into this new environment in the best possible way. How do you build partnership? How do you actually build collaboration? How do you, how do you stand on the shoulders of giants who actually have a better infrastructure? So no one can do it. Uh, uh, no one can go alone anymore. And it's all about uh, product managers need to understand how to fit into this new kind of uh, uh, ecosystem. And because uh, the ecosystem that's going to be that's going to be here and it's going to evolve uh, in 2021. Thank you so much, Roman. Uh, Gautam? Yeah. Um, uh, so I, I think um, um, sort of in the we, we covered uh, so, so, some of this in the in the uh, previous uh, so, sort of question, uh, uh, but I, I definitely add um, uh, uh, you know we sort of didn't specifically uh, uh, speak to this, but um, um, uh, the sort of ultimately yeah yeah you know um, customers develop a a sort of bond with the product that's driven by the user experience. Um, so, uh, and um, uh, the sort of, you know, the, the uh, I can't sort of overstate the importance of, of, of driving an amazing experience there. Uh, you know, what used to be tapping your coworkers shoulders to understand something that's, that's gone. We now have to do multiple click searches and clicks to understand how to do something. So any sort of friction in, in, in sort of this user experience uh, is, is, is sort of a cost for, uh, you know, causes much more discomfort. Um, and um, uh, also, uh, agree, uh, and sort of this also feeds into the uh, land and expand or, or, or sort of having a, an incredible uh, expansion focus. Um, so um, uh, here, um, um, uh, so uh, one is sort of leveraging the product itself to drive more expansion in terms of what additional use cases can be done and so on, uh, um, I think is, is important, uh, but, but uh, also uh, overall in terms of how the company connects with, with the builders in terms of offering incredible customer success help, helps with that. So it, it, these, these are... Uh, uh, extremely important uh, in this type of environment. Thank you so much. And Scott? I think as product managers, we have to focus on our products and say, what makes us essential? What is the thing about our products that means that we provide value, but also that we're hard to remove from an environment? 
uh, I think that is thinking about how do we both provide value, but also tie into other systems and other infrastructure. How are we a key part of our customers being successful? I think fundamentally that's the way you drive revenue and that's the way you drive product growth. Um, like Roman said, uh, you know, land and expand businesses like ours are living and dying by that. And so as product managers, I think that's our responsibility is to figure out what that is, help it, help tease it out, explain it, and then reinvest in it. Thank you. Um, so that concludes our question and answer portion of our panel. Um, thank you panelists for all of your thoughtful answers. I'd love to give you all a moment to uh, just share any takeaways uh, for the audience. So maybe uh, we'll start with Roman. Yeah, I... <laughs> Good data, you know. So what can I say? Measure, collect data, understand data. That's uh, that's uh, that's the the name of the game. Thank you. And then Gautam. Um, I think uh, 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 the sort of is that the, you know there's sort of all this uncertainty, but in this uncertainty, there's also lots of opportunity. So pay close attention to your customers. Uh, uh, learn from the data. And take advantage of these fast. Uh, uh, take advantage of these opportunities. Thank you. And then Scott. Uh, I, you know, the takeaway for me here is that all of us are moving to the cloud. We're all incorporating the analytics into our products and into our environments, and we're all looking for ways to infuse that data into our markets. And I think this is the most important trend of twenty one. Thank you. And then Nicole. Sorry. So not a lot that I can add. Thanks a lot to all the other panelists here. It was really a pleasure. And I think we agree on the key trends. I'd love to talk more. Uh, Revenera would love to talk more to everyone here around usage analytics and what can be done there. Happy to meet at our booth. And uh, thanks for the discussion today. I liked it a lot. Thank you so much. And that concludes our panel discussion on the product will adapt the implications of 2020. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Product Podcast. If you liked this episode, don't forget to leave a review on iTunes. For more product insights, head over to productschool.com.